This is the sound of turning ideas into software. This is the sound of engineering and passion. Work. Work more. Work harder. Experiment. Build. Break. And build again. Write code. Improve it. Job done. Celebrate. Insurance. Finance. Retail. Defense. Robotics. Energy. Amethyx. Welcome back to another episode of Data Sunset on Podcast. I'm Francesco, podcasting from the regular office of Amethyx Technologies based in Belgium. This is the second episode of a mini-series that I plan to have on this show, which is about tiny machine learning or embedded machine learning, as we said in the last episode, uh, that you uh, can definitely uh, get from the official website datasciencetom.com or from Apple Podcast and, of course, Spotify and many other aggregators. In that episode, I made an introduction of what do we mean by embedded machine learning and what are some of the characteristics of, uh, you know, writing machine learning models and in particular deep learning models for very tiny devices. So uh, feel free to get back to that episode and, uh, and stay on track. In this show, I would like to speak about some of the techniques that uh, practitioners and researchers use whenever they want to deploy something, uh, let's say, extremely large for a, a tiny device like a microcontroller. And I will focus in particular on a, method, a methodology that goes under the name of network pruning. And that, as the name says, it essentially consists of pruning uh, the network, the neural network that you are dealing with, and make it smaller so that it fits the device. <laughs> That's as simple as that. Now, of course, there are many things to pay attention to because when you prune, you are essentially throwing away a part of the network and uh, or definitely reduce a, a, a relatively large network from the first step. And, and of course, there is a price to pay in terms of accuracy. Uh, you cannot expect that a smaller model performs as good as the big brother uh, that uh, that you are pruning or that you have pruned. So there are some techniques that uh, one should pay attention to. And there is, you know, before going into the details of this methodology, uh, we have to mention one particular hypothesis that uh, researchers have come up with, which is, so, uh, which is called the lottery ticket hypothesis. This is a very interesting hypothesis there is no actual formal explanation of why it actually works. Uh, we, we should go back into the details of, you know, the physics behind neural networks. But essentially, what the lottery ticket hypothesis says uh, is that a, a randomly initialized, uh, pretty dense neural network contains subnetworks, or at least one subnetwork that um, is initialized in a particular way and that when trained in isolation, it can actually match the test accuracy of the original network, sometimes even improving on the original network. And so that's quite interesting because if there is such a network, well, one might think, okay, why do I need the rest of the, you know, deep neural network with the millions or, or billions of parameters if I know that there is a, a, a smaller network as good as the original network, right? Well, the thing is that it is quite difficult to find such a network and uh, you not, you don't have the guarantee to find such a network. So that's what the, uh, you know, the formal definition says. 
about the lottery ticket hypothesis. Identifying winning tickets, which means uh, subnetworks that are better or at least equal uh, in terms of accuracy to the original network, but they are much smaller. So these are, are called winning tickets for a reason. Well, identifying these, these tickets is quite intensive from a you know computation perspective. And again, there is no guarantee that we find these things, right? So that's the biggest problem. So of course, there are techniques that, let's say, facilitate or try to uh, structure this methodology into an algorithm and uh, almost all the time it is possible indeed with you know by spending some computation effort to find the winning tickets there are relatively simple steps that one must follow in order to identifying winning tickets uh, i can summarize it here in these four easy steps so how to prune your network in four easy steps <laughs> though it sounds like a, a you know one of these clickbait titles for, for blog posts, <laughs> I promise that it's not uh, what you think. So the first thing that one has to do uh, to uh, in order to find winning tickets is to, well, of course, randomly initialize a network, uh, a neural network. So imagine you have a network initialized with a set of parameters that we will call theta. And so theta zero are essentially the uh, theta parameters at iteration zero, which is indeed the very beginning. And these are usually uh, randomly initialized, as always, if you are dealing with PyTorch or TensorFlow, usually these frameworks uh, randomly initialize parameters for you. The second step is to train the network for a certain number of iterations, for example, J iterations. And this means that the network that will find at least the parameter configuration of the network uh, will be into a certain theta J, right? Which means the um, values of the parameters of the network after immediately after iteration J. At that point, something happens because you prune a certain percentage of the parameters uh, in theta j, uh, you don't really remove these parameters completely. You know, your um, the pruning is not a destructive pruning, but you just create a mask that will you know mask these parameters out of the computation from the next iteration onward. Right. So we create a mask which we call M. Um, and uh, essentially that mask will, let's say, cover the, uh, the, the, the masked parameters, the pruned parameters, and you will stay, uh, you know, you will have, um, in your hands, you will have the remaining parameters of the network, which is indeed one minus the percentage of parameters that you have indeed pruned. And in the fourth and last step, very simply, you reset the remaining parameters to their initial values in theta zero, which was the randomly initialized parameters at iteration zero, the first iteration, and that's your winning ticket. So this is a very systematic way of uh, finding, uh, well, first of all, of pruning a network and finding uh, or preserving, well, uh, finding a winning ticket or while preserving indeed um, a most of the accuracy of the smaller model. Now, this pruning approach goes under the name of one-shot pruning, uh, because indeed, though we have four steps, there is essentially, uh, you know, one training, and after which a certain percentage of the weights is pruned, and essentially the surviving weights are just reset, right? So this is a one-shot approach, uh, while a more sophisticated approach um, or other sophisticated approaches 
belong to the family of so-called iterative pruning, which, um, as the name says, repeatedly trains, prunes, and resets the network over a certain number of rounds, uh, in which, and in each round, you essentially prune a certain percentage, usually a smaller and smaller percentage, of the weights that indeed survive the, uh, the preceding round. So this iterative, iterative pruning approach, of course, is much more sophisticated. It also leads to much better accuracy and much you know, higher quality winning tickets. Um, but as you can understand, uh, it's uh, end times slower because you know, in iterative pruning, you have to repeat these, um, the methodology of these four steps over and over again. And so the compute effort that you need is n times what you need for the one shot. It's not really n times because um, empirical results say that uh, the winning tickets that you find with iterative pruning learn faster and faster than the original network. So as you keep pruning, of course, the, the learning capabilities of the network are also improved because, of course, the network is much smaller, the parameters are more targeted, and also the architecture of the network, like the topology of the network, which means how the neurons, for example, are connected with each other, uh, is, you know, more and more selected. It's kind of a, you know, you are filtering out the noise or the redundancy uh, that typically characterizes uh, deep neural networks. Now, one might think of uh, dropout. What happens to the dropout methodology um, with respect to the pruning technique? Well, dropout for, uh, to make the, the episode self-contained is the capability of removing some weights uh, randomly uh, during training. Right? And so essentially, this, uh, we have seen that facilitates or encourages, for example, generalization because the network you know, is, is less prone to, um, for example, overfitting the data. And this is especially true when the network, when the, the amount of data is, uh, let's say, comparable uh, with the number of parameters that you're dealing with in the network, which means that you have relatively small amount of data and uh, a relatively deep neural network or you know network with a lot of parameters for the data that you have in those cases dropout helps a lot now it turns out that dropout improves accuracy by randomly disabling a fraction of the units by you know random randomly sampling of a subnetwork on each training iteration and so one speculation about dropout is that uh, dropout-induced sparsity primes a network to be pruned. If that's true, uh, it means that dropout techniques that target weights or learn per weight dropout probabilities could make, indeed, winning tickets even easier to find. And so these are, of course, all empirical speculations and results that have been observed by uh, training, for example, on relatively large networks like VGG um, or ResNet um, for Cypher 10, uh, which is the classic now uh, benchmark uh, data for um, assessing the accuracy of several deep neural networks. But essentially, it's quite hard to generalize these findings to all the networks, all the data sets, and all, uh, of course, all training techniques. 
also because neural networks are you know big monsters so uh, it depends for example what convolution you use what type of activation functions and uh, uh, the topology of the network of course and and the number of neurons etc so there are a lot of variables there are a lot of moving parts in a neural network so it's quite hard to determine that one particular characteristic of your methodology is indeed uh, bringing the result that you expect or that you are just observing. Now, of course, there are more and more sophisticated techniques or pruning techniques uh, for neural networks. Uh, for example, the fact that uh, neural networks usually are um, characterized by different number of parameters per layer, uh, it means that, for example, you would not like to prune globally the network in a uniform way but you would like to prune the network according to how uh, rich each layer is of parameters right um, usually for example the first convolutional layers of um, a computer vision neural network have much less parameters with respect for example to the last layers uh, so you know one should take into account this diversity uh, and this big difference in number of parameters for uh, for pruning so to conclude of course as i said there is a very interesting paper um the lottery ticket about the lottery ticket hypothesis uh, that has been published back in 2019 of course, you will find the paper in the show notes of this episode on datasciencetom.com. And uh, again, to conclude, um, iterative pruning is um, something, is a technique that, of course, helps you out finding the uh, so-called winning tickets. But again, it's not formally guaranteed that you find such tickets. And also, uh, it's not formally guaranteed that, you know, finding these tickets is consistent across different methodologies, different data sets, different topologies, etc. So things can change depending on the, the neural network that you are dealing with. Um, so there is no one-size-fits-all, definitely, um, as many other things in, uh, in deep learning. Also, it's quite intensive in terms of computation that you need. It requires training a network a dozen times or, or more um, consecutively for multiple trials uh, in order to find these, um, uh, these winning tickets. And that's the typical characteristic of uh, iterative methodologies, of course. But when it comes to um, de deploying neural networks of, and squeezing neural networks for uh, uh, MCU or microcontrollers uh, or very tiny devices, um, as we mentioned in the first episode, uh, these are devices that are way, way smaller and less powerful than uh, not even a last generation mobile phone, you know, even a relatively old phone is already much more powerful than uh, than the tiny devices that we mean here and so when you want to do this when you want to squeeze neural networks on these devices pruning the network will definitely help you preserving most of the accuracy and also at the same time make it feasible for these microcontrollers to at least run and uh, perform inference with the tiny, tiny memories that they usually are equipped with. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to Data Science at Home Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new, fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.